Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Hello, good morning, and happy Monday, friends and faithful listeners. Thanks for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast to start out your week with the Bible. And I hope you guys had a really fantastic weekend. This weekend was the first weekend since we moved that I have been able to just relax and kind of hang out and uh, work on my house a little bit. So I was quite excited this weekend to just have some time to breathe, but also happy to get back into the swing of things today. Now, today we will be talking about Exodus chapter 22, verses 28 through 31. Grab your Bible and your cup of coffee, and let's go ahead and read. You shall not blaspheme God nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. You shall give the firstborn of your sons to me. You shall do likewise with your cattle and with your sheep. It shall be with its mother for seven days, then on the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be holy men to me. Therefore you shall not eat any meat that is torn by animals in the field. You shall cast it to the dogs. It's a short portion of scripture today, but it is one that has a lot of content, I think. So in verse 28, it says, You shall not blaspheme God nor curse a ruler of your people. Now, the Hebrew word for God and ruler were actually the same. I think it was Elohim, I'm pretty sure. So this kind of means that God was putting himself with the judges here of Israel. Because back then, the ruler of the people would have been the judges or Moses or Aaron or the elders or whoever. I mean, God's using the same noun for both him and them. So uh, he's saying here that he is a ruler of Israel. So not only should you not blaspheme God, but you also should not curse a ruler of your people. So I think with this rule, one of the biggest ways people can tell if we are Christians or not is by the way we speak and by the way we act. So if we speak and act crudely, people will probably not think that we are Christians. <laughs> In fact, they might actually be shocked to hear that we are Christians if we do speak crudely. So God is saying to his people here to be holy, to be set apart, because God did in fact set his people apart. And so he's saying here that his people need to speak differently than other people would. And so I think there's many verses like this all throughout the Bible where it says, don't curse a ruler of your people. I mean, Solomon says it in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a verse about that. Uh, Paul mentions it several times. You know, God mentions it. So since this is so much in the Bible, <laughs> this verse is repeatedly mentioned over and over and over. I believe that this is something we should still be following to this day. I mean, you get on Facebook and you see all sorts of crazy things about uh, how much people hate Biden or hate Trump or hate whoever. And, you know, this is just in America. But I mean, we see that all the time about people constantly cursing their rulers, constantly hating who's in charge. And, and you know, God says, don't do that. In fact, Paul says that if you have an evil ruler, 
that you are supposed to pray for him. You are supposed to pray for peace. So it's very important that we don't go around cursing our rulers. The other thing is uh, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes mentions that you shouldn't even speak poorly of your president in your own home because a little bird might go and tell somebody. And that's literally what the verse says. And I find that kind of funny because the little bird um, reminds me of Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're speaking of it in your own home and Twittering about it. And then it, yeah. But anyway, that's just um, my, my thought on that one. But yeah, I mean, Here's the thing, though. God makes it very clear that we are not supposed to curse our rulers. We are supposed to hold them with high respect because God is, in fact, in control of absolutely everything. He's in control of our leaders. He's in control of what our leaders are doing. He's in control of literally everything. So if God allows something to happen or puts that person in place because it says in Daniel that God sets kings up and he takes them down. So if God is the one who is setting these kings up or these rulers up, then why are we cursing them? Because then we are cursing God's plan and we don't know what God's plan is. We have no clue what God's plan is. So we shouldn't be cursing our rulers. And on top of this, we also should not be blaspheming God or cursing God because we are set apart as holy people. And if we're going around blaspheming God to everybody, I mean... (laughs) Who could possibly think we're Christians at that point because we're supposed to be following God? But anyway, it says, you shall not delay to offer from your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. Now, this would be a rule that kind of applies to back then because God talks about, you know, bringing him the dry offerings or the juice offerings, you know, of the wine that the people would make or uh, the wheat in their field. So this is something that was applying back then. But one of the ways it applies to nowadays is this this word right here. It says, you shall not delay to offer from your harvest. So when God calls us to do something, we aren't supposed to delay in doing it. And uh, because that shows obedience when we go and just do it rather than just delaying and being like, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> We're supposed to just move forward into the calling that God calls us to do. And we're not supposed to delay. So delaying is a form of not only unfaithfulness and fear, but also it is a form of disobedience. So God says when he calls you to do something, for example, back then he he called them to offer from their harvest and from their wine. He says when he calls them to do something, don't delay in doing it, just do it. Because then if you just do it, God and everybody else knows that you have faith that God's going to take care of you in, you know, going towards this thing that God calls you to do, if that makes sense. I I hope I didn't um, (laughs) do any circular logic there. So then after this, it says, you shall give the firstborn of your sons to me. Now, we talked about this one a while back. I think it was in Exodus 13 or 14, where God originally brought them out of the land of Egypt and told them that um, they were supposed to give their firstborns to him. So we we already talked about this, but I want to go through it again. It says, God says, you shall give your, the firstborns of your sons to me, but also you shall do likewise with your cattle and with your sheep. So back then in this time period, the firstborn son would have been the uh, birthright holder. 
So the birthright was something that was extremely important, I believe, in almost every culture here. Because back then, people were more in tribes. There wasn't as much, you know, uh, I mean, nowadays here in America, we don't live in tribes. I live very far away from my neighbors. (laughs) I live out in the country in the middle of nowhere. But back then, they lived in tribes. So the firstborn son would be the tribe leader. He would be the chief in a sense. So God is saying here that when you give the firstborn son to him, this has nothing to do with child sacrifice at all. I just want to throw that out there. In fact, God hated child sacrifice completely and was infuriated with people when they started doing child sacrifice. And he actually said somewhere, I don't know where, but he said somewhere in the Bible that uh, when his people were performing uh, child sacrifices, he was like, I never even thought to do that. Like, how sick are you people? (laughs) So God does not like child sacrifice. Just want to throw that out there. This has nothing to do with child sacrifice. But when you give the firstborn son to God, you are almost like saying, you know, this firstborn son who is going to someday be the chief of our entire tribe has now been consecrated to God. He belongs to God. So he's being set apart at birth to be holy, to be a person that is going to follow God's laws and listen to God, teach his people the right way someday. So that is what this means when God says to give the firstborn sons to me, to uh, dedicate the sons to him. And it says also to do likewise with your cattle and with your sheep, and it will be with its mother for seven days, then on the eighth day you shall give it to me. Now this, of course, would would be talking about sacrifice. The child, on the other hand, no sacrifice, but the firstborn male of every animal that was clean, it had to be a clean animal, would be sacrificed to God, would be given to God. You know, sacrifice back then was something that was very prominently done. In those days, sacrifice was not uncommon. It was not unheard of. People back then sacrificed human beings and uh, all sorts of stuff to their crazy, ridiculous gods. But God is doing it different. He's saying to sacrifice animals, to sacrifice the firstborn animals. And also sacrifice was a way that God was saying, look at the guilt that is being laid on this animal. You know, you, you are putting your sins on this animal and sacrificing it and this is showing that you know your sins are causing this innocent animal to die but we will definitely go more into that later on when the bible gets much deeper into sacrifice so it says here that um the uh, the baby animal will be with its mother for seven days and then on the eighth day you shall give it to me now i believe for animals that were unclean or in other words could not be eaten or were not supposed to be eaten because they weren't healthy for people. And God, of course, lays the rules out for that as well. But like I said, we'll get more into that later. But the animals that were considered unclean, I believe, were supposed to be um, given like a money gift for them. So they didn't have to be sacrificed. But instead of the sacrifice of that unclean animal, you would give God some money or like give it to the temple or something like that. But now I don't quote me on that. I might be very, very wrong on that one, but I think that was the case. So then on the last verse here to conclude, it says that you shall be holy men to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any meat that is torn by animals in the field. You shall cast it to the dogs. Now, this, of course, is a health rule. We know that an animal, let's say we find a carcass on the side of the road. We're not just going to take that home and fry it up and eat it. (laughs) 
<laughs> we don't do that because nowadays we know that this is very unhealthy thing to do. But back then, they didn't know that. You know, if they find an animal, they're a dead animal that was ripped to shreds. They're like, oh, free meat, you know. So, yeah, God's saying don't do that because it's unhealthy. But it is interesting that God doesn't mention why we shouldn't do these things. Very rarely does he mention why we shouldn't do these things. Nowadays, we know that if we see, you know, don't eat any meat that is torn by animals in the field, we know, okay, that's unhealthy. Back then, they didn't know that. They just had to trust in God that when they see an animal, you know, in the field ripped to shreds by wolves or whatever, that they're not going to take it home and feed it to their family. They have to trust God that um, he knew what he was talking about with this because they didn't know and God doesn't give them any whys why they shouldn't do this. He just says, don't do it. So this is also, you know, making his people trust in him. This is uh, leading them towards faith. This is growing them in their faith and teaching them. So I, I do find that interesting that very rarely does God mention why we shouldn't do something. He just says, don't do it. But it does say here that um, one of the reasons that people shouldn't be eating meat that is torn or like a carcass here, it says, because you're supposed to be holy. You should be holy men to me. Therefore, you should not eat any meat that is torn by animals in the fields. So not eating this carcass that you just find rotting away <laughs> in the fields is a holy thing to do because God laid laid out already which animals were supposed to be clean and which ones were supposed to be unclean to eat. So first and foremost, I mean, let's let's think about this here. An animal that is sitting there rotting away in the field is a very unhealthy thing to eat. We know that. But secondly, God mentions several times that you should never eat blood. And we know also once again, eating blood is very, very unhealthy. We know that nowadays. And an animal that has been ripped to shreds is going to have that blood still in its system. You're never going to be able to drain all that blood out. So even if you do find an animal, those people would never ever be able to eat it in a healthy way because that blood would still be in all of the meat. So he, God says here at this point, this is food for your dogs. Just if you find an animal, you can obviously keep it, but give this to your dogs. It says, you shall cast it to the dogs. And that's kind of an interesting way to conclude this chapter of scripture. But we will be talking about Exodus chapter 23 on Wednesday. So join me then at 6 a.m. And also, friends and faithful listeners, if you liked this episode, please rate it five stars and share it on your social media platforms. But faithful listeners, I've got nothing else to say except happy listening and God bless. God bless.